Yo, yo. What's going on? Yo, I'm here. No interruptions. No nothing, bro. I got you. Nah, it's all good. Life happens. But looking back, it makes... But looking back, like, it makes sense why you was asking me for, like, the earlier time. That's why I kept asking you, like, what time, what, what time, what time suits you? So this way I can do it. Yeah, it's all good, bro. But now I got to your your episodes don't go longer than an hour anyway, right? It goes, it goes for as long as I want. <laughs> I thought you had, like, some structure in place, Buffalo Brothers. Nah, when it's by my, when I'm by myself, it's for an hour. Okay, but when it's with other people, it can go as for for as long as it like wants to and needs to. All right. So for right now, I can promise you, I have a strong hour with you, uninterrupted. All right, bet. Um, let me just get the acknowledgments out the way. Um, welcome to episode fifty-three of the Riley Randall's podcast. I go by the name of Riley Ritz. Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Shout out Bushwick. Shout out Canarsie. Shout out Best Eye. I rap. I used to review OnlyFans. And as of today, I podcast. And today, I have a special guest, a featured guest on here today. He goes by, he goes by the name of Reek. And damn. I, you're at, I know your ad name is the OG. OG man, but I know your podcast name is the original black man. The reason why I'm saying it the way I'm saying it now is because I I, I didn't want to fuck it up. <laughs> and you fucked it up still. With with super focus, you still fucked it up. And that's all right, brother man. Now I am Reek. I am the original black man. And the name of my show is The Good Brother Experience. Ah, uh, see, but the fuck up wasn't intentional. It's all good. It wasn't man. intentional. I know where your heart is, brother. We're on the same team. Copy, copy. And speaking on the same team, um, it's on me right there to tell people that, like, you're the you're the main reason why I have an independent podcasting. And to summarize it. Like two years ago, um, Van Lathan, both Van Lathan and Hovain seeded the idea, but Van Lathan was the one that like really like put me onto like the fundamentals of podcasting. And at the time, I was still hesitant because I didn't want to be just another bozo with a podcast talking mm-hmm. about nothing. Because mm-hmm. I know there's more to it than just being on there for 45 minutes talking shit and leaving. Mm-hmm. Because I'm looking at because I'm of you know the Joe Button podcast, Tax Season, the Read, the Friends, the Friend Zone, even the Harder Sword podcast, which I was on there a few times. And I, so I was hesitant in the beginning, but then I just figured, you know what, let me try anyway. Because around the time Van Van said he was going to like be involved in it, but. As the clout died down, he fell back. <laughs> so I reached out to Kay Vega first. Um, she wasn't with it. I ain't gonna lie, I felt the way about it. I felt the way about it. I feel I still feel a little bit aware about it now, but it worked out for the best. So 
Kay Vega wasn't with it. Um, I did a I did a trial run on Zoom with two other people. My app, the Zoom app crashed on me like God knows how many times. And I heard, and then I think one of your followers we reposted your podcast, mm-hmm. and I decided to like you know let me listen to this and because I was just studying people who ran a solo podcast, and there was no way in fuck I was going to listen to a Joe Rogan. Even before he said so. I just listened to your shit and I noticed it was like under an hour. Mm-hmm. I even I even 40, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Your usual your usual thing is like 30, 35 minutes. And that's why I was like, yo, he can do it. He's doing it. So fuck it. I'm gonna do it dolo. Now I don't have to rely on anyone. I don't have to rely on anyone, but at the same time, it would be nice to have that back and forth dynamic. But it's just dope that I could just hop on, talk about the shit I want to talk about, and then dip. But realizing that the podcast game isn't that far different from the music game. Like, it's really hard to, like, it's really a little bit difficult to find your audience and hopefully that they'll give, that they'll give themselves a chance to get acquainted with you. But, you know, I tried to take it one week at a time, one episode at a time. So, yeah. That's fire, bro. I mean, I'm glad you took Destiny into your own hands. As someone that does a solo podcast, I know exactly how it goes. And, um, you know, with with solo podcasting, it's freeing. And the reason why I never chose to have a a co-host or I never sought to have a co-host was because of the subject matter. Like with my show in particular, everything's based on my opinions, my views, things I just might happen to notice, things I might just happen to watch. And when I'm trying to cook and I'm getting to like my bag and I'm starting to make people laugh and now I'm being long-winded about things, you know, it will be hard for me to have that level of chemistry with somebody that will just be cool with me just talking about my life and then them, and then them just implementing the commentary as the show goes along. And alongside that, you have to rely on other people. You have to have meetings with other people. And things can just end before it begins when it comes to that. Because finding a guest for anything, I don't care what it is, is just hard. Finding a business partner in any capacity is just hard, you know? And then when you narrow it all down and everything's based off of the thoughts and ideas of Riley, you know, finding a co-host, even if you was to find someone to bounce ideas off of, like, how long would they be cool with that? Like, I'm here off the strength of him and I'm here to just make him, like, my job is to make him look better. You're not going to, you're not going to find a lot of people like that. So I believe with the type of show that you have, um, you're, you're choosing the better thing. You know, because if you was to have a show centered around, let's say, like, you brought the OnlyFans situation to a podcast, right? I'm just using this as an example as an example for analogy reasons. It will be easier for you to have a co-host because both you guys are talking about a primary thing. You guys are talking about the performance of what's going on on these videos, the lighting of these videos, the music choice of these videos, the way these videos are edited, the way these videos are shot. So it was easy to have a back and forth in that capacity because both you guys are looking at the same thing. With the show that you have, since it's centered around what you want to talk about, 
I think it will be a little bit more difficult finding a co-host because the co-host basically has to wait for you to speak in order for them to bounce off of you. And that shit is incredibly difficult. So I think you went with the right decision. Mm, and the funny thing is when I initially started this podcast, what Van suggested was like for it to be like an OnlyFans podcast. And that's how I started it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But over time, I just changed my mind because I'm like, I don't want to talk about OnlyFans and sex work all day. Like, there's only, I mean, I'm still learning it on my own time, but it's like, I don't want to spend the, the majority of the episodes, not all the episodes, talking about shit. Talking <laughs> about shit like that. I want to talk about other shit too. Sometimes I want to talk about comics, wrestling, music, my life. And, all these other topics, even the Twitter topics now and then. Now and keyword now and then. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't want to just talk about sex work all day. Because I had a segment to where I would dedicate 30 minutes to in-depth only reviews. Like whatever I didn't say in the videos, I would get more into here. Especially in case I would change my mind and shit. Mm-hmm. But over time I was like, I just did away with it. Especially when I stopped doing that. I definitely did away with it. So I'm like, you know what? I'ma just Talk my shit, and whoever vibe with it, vibe with it. They don't, then this is not this is not for them. So, right. And plus, truth be told, there's plenty of sex like sex podcasts out there, uh, especially ones that's dedicated to like sex education. Again, there's Hard or Soft, um, Kings with Kiki. Um, what else? Horrible decisions. There's plenty more out there. You know, so right. I just like it's just easier to like be me and shit. <laughs> exactly. Like you didn't want to be pigeonholed as the OnlyFans guy. Nah, at, at all. And once niggas try to pigeonhole me into that, and that's the thing. Don't tell me what to do. Like, I realize that, and no matter how hard I try to suppress it, I'm a petty person. <laughs> um, I'm, yo, not, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, no, no, no. Go ahead. Now, now, I, I was just going to say, you know, before you talked about how petty you were, I don't think I've ever seen a pigeon into a hole before. So do you know where that phrase comes from? Pigeonhole? Like, yeah, basically, you know, they wanted me to just strictly, like the, like the following that I had and the people that were introduced to my content, they just wanted me to strictly do OnlyFans reviews. No, right. and I, I, I know what pigeonhole means. I'm just saying, I'm wondering where the term derives from because I've never seen a pigeon make a hole before. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh, nah. I, nah, I, I, got, I, I get you, but basically when they wanted me in that one box and as soon as, one day, as soon as I heard the first, like, just stick to OnlyFans trying to be funny. That's why I was like, alright, then that's the day I decided, like, okay, the OnlyFans, the OnlyFans review is dead. Like, and if I and if if I decide to do it again, it's gonna be on OnlyFans behind the paywall. So if they want to see it that bad, they can they can pay for it. Otherwise, I guess you're not gonna see it at all. <laughs> do you think OnlyFans is a dying industry? Um, now it is. They peaked when they they peaked when they tried to do when they peaked when they attempted to pivot to mainstream. If they didn't pivot to mainstream, 
they would have had an extended shelf life because people were going back outside. So you was going to see ass and titties for real again. But even with that, it would have had an extended shelf life simply because it was exposed. I don't want to say exposed because it sounds negative. But I was reviewing people that you would have never knew had an OnlyFans. Like, right. never mind the strippers and the the mainstream girls and whatever girls. I'm talking about the girls that you were chilling with next door on the job. You would have never knew they had an OnlyFans until they posted that shit. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh shit, like it piqued your curiosity. Like, all right, all right, let me see what she about. If they didn't pit, if they didn't pivot to mainstream, they would have had to extend the shelf life. But because they tried to pull that shit, that's when they like turned people off. Meaning, either the girls that used to do OnlyFans just retired from it altogether, or the ones that were still doing it were going to other websites and just had their own websites. And furthermore. I think niggas just got tired of... Oh, niggas didn't want to pay for it in the first place, but more so, they were going to Reddit for shit like that. So, so when you said OnlyFans tried to pivot to mainstream, what exactly did they do? Meaning, cater to the celebrities and shit. The, the celebrities that weren't... The celebrities that weren't doing much with it or were just false advertising. Like right. they meaning they lead lead you on to thinking that you was gonna see one thing when in reality you saw something totally different, especially mm-hmm. boring ass white girls, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, OnlyFans isn't rev- isn't used for predominantly sex work or adult entertainment. There's other people that's using it. That that one comedian, Lulu Gonzalez, she uses she uses OnlyFans, but for her like comedy shit. Mm-hmm. You ain't gonna see not one ass and titty in there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mainly for comedy sketches. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's other people that there's producers that use it to like show how they build a build a beat, like brick by brick. No, right. but it's but it's mainly known for sex work. <laughs> so yeah, when you try to try to please Hollywood, when you try to please Hollywood motherfuckers, that's where you start losing people. Right? Like, ah, like, call me back when she st- when a titty pop out or something. Right. Or a dick pop, or a dick pop out. Because, not for nothing, women pay for dick too. They're not gonna outright admit it, but they pay <laughs> to see dick. Okay? So, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally... So you feel like it was both people trying to pigeonhole you to only give reviews compounded with the fact that it was a dying industry is what made you fall back from it entirely? Uh, Yeah, and plus, I just got tired of doing it. Like, when I don't have fun doing it, it's going to show. what It's going to show. And I felt like it was showing because I was just, it would just feel like I was half-assing it. And plus, not for nothing, dudes wanted me to lean, lean in more of the misogyny side. Like, I could just tell by the comments, like, they wanted it was, me to the, go it was the uh the incel crowd, the niggas that don't get pussy on their own strength. Pretty much the niggas, and let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase what you just said. The niggas that don't want to get pussy on their own strength. Because <laughs> pussy like pussy can be rented. Okay. Pussy can <laughs> be bought. This is a they are, just don't they, they just don't want to buy it because they just 
don't want to buy it. Feel if anything, they feel entitled to it for free because quote unquote, they're they're good guys. They're good men. Right. And this is what I tried to explain. Say this is what I tried to explain it to Savon when I was on his podcast. When I acknowledged that I had an incel fan base, I wasn't saying that because I was proud of it. I was saying that because I was aware of it. This wasn't like these are the niggas that uh, Doja Cat was showing her feet to. Exactly. And it wasn't like I made this content to exclusively cater to them. This was just genuine. This was just genuine. It just so happened to attract that type of crowd. So it was weird. It was weird, but it's like, I don't hate women. But at, the, at a certain point, I just got tired of explaining it. So it was like, people going to take away from it whatever they want to take away from it. So it is what it is. But I just got tired of doing it on my own. So I just stopped entirely and just focus on my music, focus on my content, and just me being me out here. That's pretty much it. Ain't nothing wrong with that, brother. I think you made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah, man. But um, I don't like doing the traditional interviews where we do the... I don't like doing the traditional interviews because I, I just feel like that's stiff. I don't like doing that with anyone. Like, I may ask you questions about yourself here and there where it pops up. And it's not to say that I don't do, like, the the research and shit. It's just, I hate that shit. It's all good, it's, bro. So I, just, so I just rather, like, if anything, I just rather for it to be a relaxed atmosphere. Not to say that I can force that. It's just, I like it better when it's just a normal flowing conversation. So... I just I just got a few topics to like get that get off real quick. Um I'm saying it real quick. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean when it's all said and done, I'm on your show. So even if it's not an interview, I'm just following your lead. Oh, I appreciate that, man. But um just but nonetheless, I'll t- I'll tell you why it's everyone else. Just be your genuine self. Yeah, man. This is not my first rodeo, so I'm right with you. Alright, as long as you yourself, then I'm cool with you. But um nah, um there was something I was meaning to bring up. I was meaning to like make a Riley Randall video up, but I might as well do it here. Um Lotto. I had two things with Lotto. First, she um I think she said I think somebody said something about her having a small like venue crowd when they revealed like she sold like one when she like brought in one K to three 3,000 people's worth of hard tickets. If somebody... 3,000 people is a small crowd? According to what one random person said, whatever <laughs> the fuck. What dimension do they live in? But considering that she sold 1,000, 3,000, like, worth of hard tickets, that's an accomplishment to me. That's spectacular. And I think, yeah, and especially when you're doing a show over at South by Southwest. And... You know what it is? Like, first of all, like, if you... Do you have an opinion on that? Um, I do. I believe the people that say certain things have never sold anything a day in their life. Like, even if it's drugs, they never sold anything. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, uh, I used to do a podcast, and we sold out SOBs. And we used to do live shows all the time. And even as of right now, I'm one of the uh, I'm one of the owners 
of a party by the name of Jack in the Box. So the reason oh. why I'm bringing all this up is because these require ticket sales. We have to get people that have responsibilities, that have bills, that have things that they're already into, and you have to get them to spend their money with you for the reason that you're telling them to spend it on. So like, yo, I, you say you was a rapper. I rap, I have a live show, come see me perform. I have a party. Yo, I know there's a million parties under the sun and we're in New York and there's a party every single day, but spend your money with me. When I was doing a, when I was doing the last show I was on, it's like, yo, listen, me and this man, we speaking all our shit, whatever, whatever, I think we can entertain y'all. If you've never been in that situation to where you're having conversations about marketing, when you're having conversations about discounts, when you're having dif- conversations about merch, when you're having di- conversations about early bird tickets, like if, you, if you've never been in those kind of meetings, then I believe that your opinion is null and void. Like, if you take into consideration female hip-hop, I mean, that's not an industry that comes with a lot of support for whatever reason. In fact, I do know the reason because rap overall is a, it comes with misogyny, it comes with masculinity, and even if you come with a certain level of consciousness, it's still a, an area of entertainment that's primarily male-dominated. So if you're a woman doing something that's a, that's primarily in a male-dominated in, industry, you're going to have some pushback and you're going to have some challenges. And getting people to come to your show is a challenge. Because off top, getting people to listen to your music is a challenge because there's just not a lot of female rappers, period. So for some hating ass person talking about one to three thousand tickets is a low amount of ticket sales, that person's a hater. And then and they're not knowledgeable about what the fuck they're talking about. Nah, I definitely agree with I'm glad you said that last part because well because it fall, it falls into what I was about to say too. The main reason people would somebody would say that in general is because Honestly, the the rap game is mainly is mainly filled with smokes and mirrors. And especially people have the wrong impression of what a rapper is today. Like back in the eighties and nineties, if you told somebody that you were a rapper, they would ask you to like, I right, spit something. And that's how you were and that's how you were verified of whether or not you was really rapping for real, for real. Now today, if you tell somebody that you're a rapper, Oh, where's where's the chains? Where's the jewelry? You ain't got no bitches. Where's the car? I don't see you with no car. Where's your followers? You ain't got that many followers. I ain't never heard of you. Your streams ain't popping like that. I don't see you selling out shows. You don't know Meek Mill. You don't know Hove. You don't know Megan Thee Stallion. You don't know these people. Fuck out of here. Like, that's what comes with it now. That's the impression of what a rapper should be now. If you're not already popping, you ain't shit. So, and so, and never mind selling one to three thousand hard tickets. Like you'll be blessed if you can get somebody to come to open mic for you. Like, like if, if that person was a manager, and they was managing Lotto, and they fucked around, and they got two thousand people to come see Lotto. They will be doing high fives and sipping champagne, bro. <laughs> Niggas just be lying, son. If you was the manager of this artist and you got 2,000 people to see your artist that you manage, nigga, you'll be fucking drinking champagne. Like on some shit like, 
Yo, we did it celebrating all that kind of shit. Like, niggas just be lying, bro. I know what 2,000 ticket sales look like. And niggas just want to sit here and lie like that's like some small shit. Like, anybody can do it. Because they don't have an idea of how shit worked. And that's why I'm mad that the industry lingo leaked out to regular people. Because now everybody can act like they have an idea of what goes on in the industry and, and can give their take. And I'm like, I, and I, internet executives, whatever you say, okay. I hate that. I hate that shit. I said that. I said something the day before yesterday. I'm like, I really hate that 50 Cent did what he did. And when I say did what he did, he made fit during that. Remember that shit with him and Kanye? Mm-hmm. Like, when they both dropped their albums on the same day, he made fans start looking at the numbers. And they've been paying attention to numbers since. 50 Cent ruined New York hip-hop single-handedly. <laughs> no, for real. I'm not even laughing. Like He, he single-handedly ruined New York hip-hop. Him. By himself. With no help. How you figure? Alright. So, 50 Cent comes out in 2003, right? He automatically... Goes at Jay Z, which is the most popping person in music at the time, right? If you look at Fifty Cent's run objectively, as far as when he was on top of music, it was from two thousand three to we can't even squeeze and say two thousand nine when Terminate on Sight and that G and that second G Unit album came out, right? In that time, he beefed with Fat Joe, Ja Rule, Jada Kiss, and everybody on the locks, Jay Z. And some people underneath him. And Fab, everybody, like, taking shots at everybody, talking about ticket sales and shit. I remember when he had that legendary argument with Angie Martinez when he was talking about Treadstone, which is one of my favorite shits of all time, when mm-hmm. Cameron's barking on him. And he was like, yo, Jimmy uh, sells more records than Lloyd Banks. And this name, 50 Cent, said, no, he doesn't. So literally, look who I just named. Jim Jones, Cameron, Fab, Jadakiss. Fucking Styles P, Sheik Looch, um, Fat Joe, Ja Rule, everybody that's popping and that was on top, he went at in some way, capacity. Even Jay Z himself had to say, I don't give a fuck about a dollar. So if you're going to literally cause tension with literally every single act that's popping in New York, what do the niggas under them going to do, bro? It's going to, it's going to, it's going to cause. Survival tactics. It's gonna be like, damn, this nigga fifty goes out of anybody who's big. So that's how Atlanta starts to creep in. Like, yo, them niggas in New York don't get along. And it wasn't even them niggas. It was him. He wasn't getting along. But fifty cent was the golden goose at the time. So if the golden goose is like, nigga, all you niggas is under me, and by all accounts, the nigga was right because he was selling ten million when nobody else was even going platinum, nigga, that's gonna cause dissension. So with dissension and everybody's looking at uh, album sales because that's that was his bread and butter with all his arguments. Everybody, that's when the white tea era comes. That's when the snap era comes. That's when the Laffy Taffy era comes. And that's when Bone Crusher and all them niggas is coming on. And Lil John and all them niggas is coming on. And fucking, um, uh, uh, what the fuck was them niggas' name? Uh, if you don't give a damn, we don't give a fuck. Sean Paul and the Youngbloods. When you have all them niggas coming around all in this time, and you seeing like, man, this is some goofy ass music. Why are them niggas shirts so big? Till now, all of a sudden, T Pain's coming around, and everybody's doing snap music, and everybody's wearing big white tees, and everybody's getting crunk now. And now you go from you go from there. Goody Mob and CeeLo is doing little things behind the scenes now. Although 
uh, Outcast starting to die off. More niggas from Atlanta's coming on. Now you're getting to 2010, Future's on deck. And then at the future, it's Young Thug, because low-key, Young Thug's been out since 2011. This nigga crippled New York hip-hop, bro. And that's why everybody in Atlanta is popping. He crippled it. He gave, he put a fucking 10-year pause on anything New York. And that's why even, even if you listen to New York radio, nobody from New York fucking is played on uh, mainstream. Mainstream? When, who was the last New York superstar for real? I thought, am I, am I very small, unbiased, I'm not in the music industry opinion, I thought Dave East was about to be a fucking superstar. Because if you look at his voice, if you look at his appeal, if you look at what he raps about, if you look at his aesthetic, all that type of shit. He has, he has, the, um, he has the people behind him, like Nas and all them niggas. He has the cosigns. He has the features. He has all that. But the reason why niggas like him and A Boogie and everybody else has come from New York outside of uh, you know, Pop Smoke that wound up passing away. Niggas had to come out with a whole new genre of music for New York niggas to get popping. That don't sound crazy to you? That's always sound crazy crazy to me. Niggas had I to come talk- out with a whole matter of fact, niggas even come up with it. Niggas had to look at what Chicago was doing and come up with the New York version of that just to get some more super. Yo. That is wicked. And that's because of fifty cent, huh? It's all Yo, because I was just talking with my sister about this a couple days ago. That's crazy that you said that. Like I told her, I'm like, New York hasn't had an idea. Sonically, music, like musically, sonically, New York has lost their identity for quite some time now. And I remember seeing this um, stunning growth video about Trinidad James, and it was like, Niggas get mad at Trinidad James for what he said, and I get it because New York is very prideful, but at the same time, he was right. He was right. I I still remember it to this day. They was like, yo, back in the day. James are the same age. He was super right. Yeah, back in the day, like, we used to come to New York to get inspired. Now when we come here, it's like we never left Atlanta. And it was like, damn. That shit hurt. That shit really hurt. And again, I get why Maynard approached him the way he did because, again, New York is a very prideful state. It's a very prideful state. But at the same time, it's like that shit hurts. That shit hurts when when another nigga out of state is pointing to me what the fuck is wrong with my state. And I can't say shit about it because it's true. We haven't had had a, a solid identity in quite some time now. New Jersey's even worse, to be honest. But for New York, I take it coming from a person that's from born and raised in Brooklyn. That shit is hard for me to digest because it's like artists now feel pressured. That's a strong word, but I'm going to say it. Artists now feel pressured to sound like either niggas from Atlanta, Chicago, or even West Coast to even get some type of play. And it's like, damn. Yo, in the last, in, in, in the last 10 years, do you want to know who the last... Uh, Superstar that came out of the tri-state area was who? Fetty Wap. Yo. (laughs) (laughs) You correct me if I'm wrong. Who the you're not wrong. Who had chart topping hit? Who had chart topping hits before and after him that had that many? Damn. Who? Who came out that we didn't know about and became a superstar in front of our eyes with chart-topping hits besides Fetty Wap? Who? Name one other person. 
Pop Smoke is on the way, but Pop Smoke, Pop Smoke was taken from us a little too early. And okay. I'm gonna jump. Hey, yeah, and I'm gonna jump in here and say like, niggas he like rock? Hey, fucking uh, who else? Uh, a boogie? Like who? Who are you about to tell me? Let, let me see. Like, nah, niggas ain't gonna like. I'm gonna just listen down right now as far as I can name. Niggas ain't gonna get like. Niggas ain't going to get behind Joey Badass like that. Not now. Not now. Especially when he says shit like, this is mumble rap extermination. No, that's dead. Um, I mean, Action Bronson? Nah, not really. Um, Fabio Florin? No. Um, a Boogie? Fabio on his way. I can't, I can't hold you. If Fabio Florin can come out with some shit, this is his time right now. I mean, we'll see. It's still too soon to call it. Like, A Boogie, no. Don Q, no. Um, and you know what else? What? Somebody from New York had a one-hit wonder once a summer. Like, remember that nigga Fresher? Wait a minute. Wait, yeah. wait, wait a minute. So not finished. Remember him? He's from New York? I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it was him. And then it was fucking after him. It was fucking Bobby Smarter, but he just did a seven-year bid. Then you had Young um, Ma that hasn't had a song as big as um, Ooh. And then you can just keep going down the list. Like somebody from New York once, uh, once a uh, once a summer would be like, "Oh, that song is fire." And then that would be it. Even Casanova. I mean, Casanova hasn't had nothing as big as his first joint. And this is what was going on. It's like niggas from New York will come out with something super big. They would get behind that one particular song, and then they would fade away because New York rappers were seen as disposable. There was there was no foundation behind anybody coming from New York, and that's why we're in a position that we're in now. And this all started literally because of Fifty Cent. That's interesting. That's interesting when you say it like that. Yeah, nigga, like, triple New York hip hop by himself. And niggas want to still watch Power. I watch Power. I'm not going to hold you. But it's like, niggas want to forget what he did, son. It was a 10-year reign of tyranny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah that divide yeah. and conquer shit worked for him. It really, it really did. New York hip-hop. It did because we don't really get behind niggas like that. And the ones that we do, if they don't have that follow-up after that first single, we almost immediately abandoned them. All right, all right, who's not that, they develop niche audiences. Like, I'm pretty sure Flatbush Zombies make money off of music. I'm pretty sure Action Bronson still makes money off of music. I'm pretty sure even niggas like Red Cafe and all that type of shit. I'm pretty sure but, they're touring Europe and Pat Pools is touring Europe. But as far as, like, not developing we, a niche audience and becoming a superstar, that's a rap, bro. Yeah, we don't, they don't rise to prominence like we thought they would. Like, we gassed them up to be. Right. Like they don't get up to that stadium status. Only there's only a few people from New York that's in that rare air. Jay being one like Jay being one of them. Pops like you said, Pop Smoke was close to being there. He would have been there if he was still Pop alive. Pop Smoke was the chosen one, bro. And Pop I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't a fan of his. Like me sonically, either. he sonically he wasn't meant for me, but I knew what he meant to those kids, like to the twenty year olds and teen. No, don't get it misconstrued, bro. I wasn't like the biggest pop smoke either, nigga. Either, but I have eyes. You know what I'm saying? I'm not silly. If I've seen everybody, if I see grown ass men swaying their hips and doing that leg dance, like nigga, this nigga's a phenomenon, whether I like the music or not. Yeah, like. 
I can acknowledge when when somebody has it, and unfortunately, right. like this nigga's a superstar, whether I like the music or not. Because I'm not the biggest fan of Kid Cudi, and that didn't that didn't stop him from doing nothing in this world. So it's not just about me; it's about the truth. Yeah, yeah, and back to a lot. Back to a lot of like, like I said, for her to sell hard tickets or anything, just for people to see her alone at a festival. To me, that's an accomplishment, and. The shit is, Russ used to talk about that shit all the time. I think he still talks about that shit every now and then. Like, there's a dip. like, there's a difference. And that also reminded me, and that also brought up a reminder, that lot of shit, that also brought up a reminder that followers are not your fans. Like, it's very hard for that to translate into real life. Like, you tell, like, I still remember that story about this influencer girl that she she has like how many followers like um, somewhere around to a mill and when she came out with a merch line very very i mean very few people bought that shit like maybe very few people i'm talking like in the tens maybe up to the 40s shit like that fam if you sell twenty thousand tickets at twenty dollars a ticket you have made forty thousand dollars how many people do you know can do an event and guard $40,000 from it. Shit! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, niggas don't got no... Niggas don't got no perspective on life, and that's what gets me angry. Like, niggas don't know what's going on out here. They just sit there. They speak about things they've never done. They speak about instances that they've never been put in. It's kind of like when niggas watching action movies. Like, yo, if I was that nigga, I would have laid on the floor and shot all ten of the niggas in the head. The niggas, oh, yeah. And they, they've never been to a gun range. They don't know how to fucking load a gun. They have no aim whatsoever. Like, and they told me, like, yeah, if I was that nigga, I would have rolled behind the couch. And like, nigga, no, you wouldn't have. You would have got shot like the rest of these extras did in this movie. And niggas look at you where when you're honest about it. I'm like, truthfully, I don't know. Oh, you sound pussy. I'm like, all right, super thug. You got it. You I internet You've never had a person with a gun try to kill you in their life, and all of a sudden they're trying to give you fucking, they're trying to tell you what you they what they would have did in the situation. Like, shut the hell up, bro. That's why I hate that the and like that's why I hate how music music industry lingo and talk leaked over to the general population because now niggas can speak on things like as if they have the experience for it, and I just roll my eyes and ignore it. That's why I have a hard time discussing hip-hop on a public forum because it can always lead to an idiot to chime in. That's why I'm just hard-pressed to say, like, this is my opinion, not a fact. This is my opinion. Like, just because I'm a rapper doesn't mean I'm more knowledgeable than the next person. I'm still learning this shit along the way. But, let me not say but. I'm still learning this shit along the way, but at the same time, I'm also, like, at least getting more of an idea as you, especially when you perform more in certain areas, especially when you perform more in certain areas and you talk to people that's along that lines of work, but I'm still not going to like pass myself as this all knowledgeable person. I'm still mm-hmm. learning this shit just as much as the next person. But uh, another thing with Lotto is when she talked about how one of them niggas try to fuck, like, basically say, if you want my feature, you gotta let me fuck. 
Yeah, that's wicked. I saw that. I still think it was that roach ass nigga Kodak Black. <laughs> he he um he was called he tweeted and said that it wasn't him. But I wouldn't be surprised. Like like his character patterns seem to fall in line with that. CD he looked, he looked like the nigga that couldn't get no ass before he blew up, and now he used that shit to his leverage. Right. I mean, but to his credit, this nigga came out when he was like 16, 17. Who was really getting ass then? <laughs> so it's very possible he wasn't getting no ass because the nigga was 15. But, nah, again, it seems to fall in line with his character pattern. Like right. that nigga's a weirdo, but it, whether it was him or not, it's not that uncommon. It's not that uncommon. One hundred percent. But it's still fucking. But it's still fucking gross. Like I, like I, like I said some shit about that. Like I'm tired of you niggas using women's business emails and business numbers just to shoot your shot. Is the reason why you have their business? It's to do business. It's not to put your. It's not to put your dick out there and. For two reasons. I say now it's bad business, but also at the end of the day, women are human beings. Like, y'all, y'all see them in immediately as sexual consumption. Like, let me fuck, let me fuck, let me fuck, let me fuck, let me fuck. Like, that's weird, bro. Like, if I, if I hit a woman up for a verse, it's exactly that, for a verse. But it's no wonder why they're apprehensive, but because you niggas make it weird. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I say as like a joke, but the HR department only exists because niggas is creepy. And that's Pretty much. Tar- and that's if you work at Target, let alone if you're in a fucking free flowing industry like hip hop. So, like this type of behavior doesn't surprise me, but I am happy that she spoke out about it. And if we can just stop fine tuning, we can just fine tune niggas heads like you know what as opposed to me doing business emails as opposed to me doing all this fucked up scenario shit to get pussy how can I really get some ass consensually you know what I'm saying if, if we can just get niggas to start thinking like that then I think that we'll all be in good shape it's simple buy or rent pussy that's it right. that's it I say this every day I say yeah. this every I say this every if you follow me I say this shit every day and to this day, niggas still look at me weird like I like I got three heads coming out the side of me. Have you ever oh. been to DR, bro? Huh? Have you ever been to DR? No, but Tahoe used to tell me about that shit all the time. <laughs> Let me tell you something, bro. I'm not because one thing that I've seen that the internet has not done, they have not really gone to like great detail about what actually happens to DR. So I'm not gonna be the person that fucks up the wave. But I'm here to tell you that the average man will feel like Trey songs in DR. So if you are a millionaire and you're a rapper and you are famous, bro, there is no reason why you can't pay $300 to take that flight and be treated like a king for whatever. Because I, I don't want to really break down how it works because it it's kind of like the Dominican Republic is a real place. But honestly, I'm afraid of getting ass in foreign places because... I'm not trying to end up missing God. Like, no, I'd rather just, and it's no different. And it's no different than risking it out in America because you can still get snatched out here. 
But it's like not I'm not I'm not trying to end up headless in the foreign country. No disrespect to DR anywhere else. It's like nah. nah. Damn, it's all about safety. I'm I'm right with you. So if you choose not to do that, then you choose not to do that. But what I'm telling you is places like DR and places like Colombia, like there's planet Earth, and then there's like different vortexes of places that don't abide by like the common man rules. And DR is one of those places to where you'll go out, you'll go out there and you'll forget that like you're in reality type shit. Like, whoa, it's like this. It's really like this. Like everybody out here is on the same type of time. The whole country, the niggas be like, yeah. Like it's it's something it's something different, bro. I believe you. I believe it's something different. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because you're talking about buying rent, nigga. There are, there, there's, there's one thousand lottos in DR if niggas is on that type of shit. Like beautiful women that's curvaceous with their body done and all that kind of shit, nigga. There's a million of them, and they're only sixty dollars. Like I've already said too much. Nigga, I be saying this shit all the time. I'll like, I be more willing to say it all the time. I'm like, dog, if you got pressed for ass, just swallow your pride and set aside for like three a $300 budget. I'm pretty sure there's some woman willing to fuck you, but again, it goes the common factor with sex workers and regular women is that just treat them, just make them feel safe and comfortable and treat them like human beings. Even sex workers, just because they're sex workers doesn't mean doesn't mean that don't treat them like human beings. They're still human beings at the end of the day. Like if niggas is treating plumbers with more respect than women. Like if a plumber came in your crib right now and tried to unclog the pipes or whatever, you're like, it was good, you bitch ass nigga. Be ready with the shit now or I'm not paying you. Like the plumber will look at you like you crazy. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? How how is niggas treating plumbers with more respect than women giving you their body, even if it's for a price? Because everything because, comes at a price. Nigga, your car mechanic, would you tell that nigga like, yo, fam, if this carburetor is not done in two fucking days, bro, I'm not paying you nothing, you bitch-ass nigga. Fuck you mean. You're not talking to the mechanic like that. You know what I mean? You're not going to talk to the landscaper like, yo, look, my nigga, this fucking grass is way too fucking high. If this shit isn't to my satisfaction, I'm not paying you shit. You can eat a dick. Like, nobody's speaking to the landscaper like that. But niggas treating hookers like that. That shit is all, it's all wicked business, bro. Because sex, and that's, and I said this plenty of times, as much as people openly talk about sex, it's still a taboo subject in 2022. And furthermore, that niggas hate women but love pussy. Those type of niggas hate women and love pussy. Yes, sir. And that's just, and it's, that's why I can't, this is why I mindfully try to, not align myself with those type of niggas because it's like I know my limits. I like I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses, and I've already discussed. I constantly I see myself constantly discussing the long route, short route theory. I was on one of the podcasts and I discussed the long route, short route theory. And to summarize it, too many niggas go into the long route with short route expectations and then get mad when shit don't work out to their favor, and it's like. You're to me. You're buying. You're buying pussy regardless, whether it's going out on a date. Because I'll be honest, if it's your idea to do the date, then it should be on your. Then it should be on your treat, or whatever the fuck. Right. 
if you right, and you can go on five, 10, 15, 20 dates, and it's still not guaranteed that she's gonna she's gonna even fuck you or even give you a hand job. It's not guaranteed. But as opposed to going to a sex worker, at least you know what you're going in for, at least what time, how many hours, well, how many, whatever the fuck. You know what you're going in there for. So it's like, at least I played to my, so at least it's, you do that versus you making people uncomfortable for what you feel entitled to because you're a quote unquote man. That's why you niggas is going to alpha male, relying on alpha male podcasts and dumbass TikToks because I don't know what the fuck, but. Them alpha male niggas can't fight. Let's start from there. <laughs> Look at the physique of these niggas. Like, none of you niggas got hands. What's alpha about you? <laughs> if you subshot one of these niggas, what would happen? Like, I think that they'll be brave enough to try to punch back, but if you don't got no technique behind those punches, niggas will beat the hell out of you. So what's alpha about you? If niggas come through with some energy, what are you really going to do about it? So all that alpha male shit is fucking out of hand. What happens is they fucking speak to petite 120-pound women, and they want to talk about being an alpha male. If they dealt with a joint that that was their height, their weight, they'll be intimidated. Pretty much. But, like, going off that, let me ask you something. How do you go, how do you go about being social? Like, how do you go about initiating friendship? Initiating friendship? Yeah. That is an interesting question. Um, I don't really have, like, a, a set way of going about doing so. What'll end up happening is I might meet someone uh, through, you know, organic circumstances. Then, you know, throughout the flow of conversation, it's like, yo, let's exchange numbers. And, or, yo, let's exchange Instagrams or whatever. And then they might be posting something that's funny or... I might be doing an event or they might be doing an event of mutual interest. Like, yo, come fuck with me. And it's, it's, it's just, I'm, I might go and it's like how I meet you and then how I end up with your information and then things blossom from there. But there's so many different variables that go to, in, that go into that. What I just tend to do is no matter how I meet you, I'm just myself. I mean, like I'm not an opportunist. I'm not like a fake person. I'm not some nigga that only exists on the internet or some shit. Like I'm a, very much like a real guy, so you know what I mean? However things go, however things go, and if you're my type of person, and if I'm your type of person, then things are just gonna end up blossoming organically. Like, me looking for friendships isn't the same way I go about, like, meeting women or no shit like that. Like, everything has, like, its protocol, I guess. Nah, the main reason I ask that is because like, I've been asking myself that since I tried to initiate with one of the women I had on my podcast before. And I realized, like, yo, as an adult, it's really hard to, it's really hard to initiate or get, it's really hard to initiate friendships as an adult in general. I agree. Like, it, it, it really dawned on me. Like, you don't really get taught that as, you don't really get taught that as a kid. You just go to school with the same people every day and just assume they're your friends when it's really not the case. We're just in the same fucking building for like eight hours a day. <laughs> right. 
Facts. But as soon as you get out there in the real world, it's like, ah, shit. And mind you, you got to, it's a lot of trial and error, mainly. And it's like, you want, I want people to give themselves a chance to get to know me. But at the same time, I can't force that. Especially when it's a person you're interested in giving yourself a chance to get to know, but they don't feel the same way. And it's like, damn, that sucks. Maybe it's the universe telling me something, but, on the other, but at the same time, you might internalize it. Like, you really don't know. Like, you really don't know how to initiate the shit. At least I don't. Right. Like, I don't know how to be social outside of music. I told somebody this. I don't know how to be social outside of music. I don't, like, I don't want, like, I don't, and people keep saying, just go out there and say, no, okay, what comes after high? What comes after high? For a friendship. For a friendship, for anything. It can be oh, like, and like it can, bag, mind like you. Bagging joints? Or like, what, what, what are we doing? Nah, just friendship. Just just yeah. friendship. It only had to be for, pussy's easy to get. Sex is easy to get. Just somebody to be cool with. At least. I'm with you. That shit is that shit is hard. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but to me, it's hard. I don't think you're overthinking it at all because when it's all said and done, are you talking about with men or women or just in general? Just in general. Like you know, I, I'm not gonna say that I'm somebody that's that's ever sought out for new friends, but anytime somebody new in my life came along, you'd be surprised. Like yo, you go out. You guys are going to the same events. Like, I mean, when you're when you're following new people on Instagram, y'all have fucking mutual friends. And when you're going to like little kickbacks, these are the people that you see at these kickbacks. When you're going to events, these are people that's coming up and dapping you. And then slowly but surely, it's like, yo, what you fucking with this weekend? You know, I'm, I'm saying I'm in the crib, I'm trying to see what's good. I ain't do nothing. I was like, yo, I'm in the mood to like get some food. Like, yo, you free? When are you free? Let's go out and get some food. And you'd be surprised, like just Going about being a regular person, dapping niggas, giving a hug to shorty, not trying to like get on some fondle shit on some creep time. Actually go out to eat and go home like yo, I had a great time with you. And I mean, I'm gonna holler at you later. You start t- you start speaking to a woman the same way you speak to one of the homies, and you just begin open and on the opposite spectrum when you're talking to this nigga and just like yo, son, what's your whole background, son? And then things will just start again. Just being yourself, bro. If you have social skills then it's easy. But if you don't have social skills, then, I mean, I don't know what to tell you because I'm somebody with social skills, so I can't really speak on that front. It's like I do have social skills, but I don't have social skills, if that makes sense. Like, you know how to carry on a conversation, but you don't know how to adapt to whatever situation that you're in. Adapt to whatever situation I'm in? Like, you mean take? You mean like taking social cues and shit? Like, like yo, if you're at a bar, or if you're at a basketball game, or if you're at a party, or if you're at a game night, or if you're just chilling in a restaurant, or if you're fucking at a park. I mean, when niggas on one of those black people events, or you're at a museum, or it's like you, like your your adaptability isn't quite there. But if niggas have a conversation with you, you can hold your own. I'm pretty. Am I getting the gist of what you're saying? In a way, I think that is. Like, I just know how to be myself. Exactly. Like, I just know how to be myself. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's pretty, that's pretty much it. Like, I know how to, like, I'll know how to carry a conversation. Are you good with social media? 
Because everybody isn't good with them shits. Are you good with social cues? Yeah. Like, I I can pick up when someone isn't interested in shit. Yeah, like like when somebody is, is annoyed or when someone is just being fake or I, when someone I go, is just I, being polite and not really wanting to talk to you and all that. Honestly, I go off vibes. If my vibe is telling me that you're uninterested, then then if that's it, then yeah. I just go off the vibe that you give me. How much? <laughs> like if you seem uninterested, then I'm not going to be bothered with you. Or, or if I feel like I'm overstanding myself, then I'm going to just fall back and just focus on myself. Focus on myself because it's not fair to me that I'm exterring. I'm a, I'm giving all this energy to something. And it's like, uh, it's like, nah, for that, I could just, I could just go back to talking to my, my talking to myself. <laughs> Facts. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, but, um, uh, yeah, like people will look at me weird when I tell them I don't have any friends, like, Maybe two, two, three people I'm cool with, but that's it. Mm-hmm. They'll look at me with like as soon as you tell a, I noticed that as soon as you tell a person you don't have any friends, it's just you immediately to me you immediately get that look, and then you mean you don't have any friends? Why you don't have any friends? And I know they don't mean it, but it has a judgmental tone to it. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like what's wrong with you? Why you don't have any friends? Something's wrong with you for you to not have friends, and it's. And it's like, to me, and if you'd asked me this a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have an answer for you. But to me, I realized that I haven't found my tribe yet. Like, right. I haven't found people that I'm genuinely, I haven't found people to where I can actually call them a friend. Because, you know, people are very loose with that word. And since my major fallouts, I don't play with that. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be quick to call you friend because we had one good conversation. Mm-hmm. Like it's gonna take a lot of time and a lot of consistency. You know what I'm saying? So it's just yeah I'm I'm I especially in yeah I'm, I just don't go around calling everybody that. And truthfully, I would like friends, genuine friends, but at the same time, again, there's a lot of trial and error, and people are weird. People are fucking weird. <laughs> I agree. As a matter of fact, I have a quick story. Really, really quick. I'll try to make it as quick as possible. Um, and mind you, I, I just cut her off like a couple days ago. Um, somebody I knew, we, we met at an open mic circuit. She was cool. She's a dancer. Not like stripper dancer, more like a professional ballet dancer type shit. What's um, we keep in touch on and off. So we keep in touch on and off. Fast forward. Um, she like keeps in contact with me more frequently, asking me questions about my artistry and shit because she knows I put out music and she wanted me to help help. She wanted me to help with her, so I didn't have a problem with it. And then next thing you know, she start texting me early in the morning or late at night, talking about she horny. So I'm going along with it. So I'm like, all right, cool. We vibe. It's fucking lit, nigga. Yeah. Yeah. And like Snapchat vids and shit. I'm like, oh, cool. Cool. It's laugh, but it's cool. So, but 
And then out of the blue, one morning, she just texts me, good morning. I have a question for you. Would you like invest in my pussy? And I'm like, the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Like, would you put money on my pussy? And I'm like, what the fuck? You a sex worker now? Like, what is this? And she and I asked her, I'm like, why would I pay for the pussy? Because don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem doing it. It's just I don't like the approach. It's the matter of approach. Don't charge me for something after don't charge me the pussy after you throw it at me. It's like that's bad business. The fuck are you doing? Try to treat you like a Costco sample. Yeah. And she started listing all these reasons, listing all these reasons why. And I'm like, I thought we were genuinely vibing. You lead me on to one thing and then hit me with another. It's like, that's wild confusing. You sound crazy right now. Right. I brought this to my sister, and the first thing she said was, That bitch is crazy. You better not give her any dick. <laughs> and fast forward, after like three days of radio silence, she like, finally hits me up and then tells me that the main reason she the main reason she threw all that shit out there is because she didn't know how to curve me. She didn't know how to curve me. She wanted to like she learned, she wanted to like undo she wanted to like unsend the pussy. Like re like unsend it. Mm-hmm. And it was like in my mind it was like, you know what? My sister was just, my I hated my sister was right. This bitch is weird. But at that point, I was, I was, conf- I was both confused and disappointed. Confused because all this shit just transpired. Because you was Tra- on cool, you was on cool homeboy time, not even trying to get the pussy. Then she tries to sell you the pussy. Then she's trying to act like she wanted to curb you in the first place when you wasn't even on that type of time. Yeah, and that's why I was like, you know what, I gotta fall back from you. And then she starts, and then she's like, she wants to be avoiding about it. Like, she she was wanting me to hang up. So, right in the middle of the, con- right in the middle of her talking, I kid you not, I hung up on her, and I've had her blocked on everything. I even blocked the number since, because it's like, yeah, I'm good off this. Like, yeah, weirdo, go to hell. <laughs> I wouldn't say go to hell, but yeah. Because it was like, what the fuck happened here? I wasn't even pressed. I wasn't even pressed for this. You threw me the pussy. Now you want to take it back. And I was like, <laughs> and now, and now you didn't want to. And now it was just like, what? That's all I was stuck with. What? You could have just said like, yo, I just want us to remain friends. Like, I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Um. Mm-mm. Now imagine the, the type of person you would have gave dick. You couldn't take that back. Right. Now you're just stuck, stuck with a psycho. Okay. All that shit uh, happening happening within the span of a week. Yeah, it's bad for business. For business, I mean, it's bad for me. No, I'm, just saying, <laughs> no, I'm talking about as far as like the, the you know the saying like yo, that's bad for business. Not like her business. I mean, that's just bad vibes overall. But my question is, why would you throw pussy on me to take it back? I, I don't know. Maybe, 
maybe she wanted to sell to. Then she rethought about like, um, you know, maybe not, but I'm already too late. So let me just try to sabotage the whole situation. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Because the funny thing is, it was like she wanted a so she wanted a security deposit on. Because that's what I initially thought. I'm like, yo, this dating scene is getting more nasty. Who asked for the security deposit before they trying to beat? <laughs> that's that sounds too much like sex work. <laughs> if if that was the case, I can go on Trice.link for that. Like the fuck you talking about? I gotta pay a security deposit before we start officially dating. That's what it's that's what it's gonna start coming down to if it's not happening. Like, yo, I need I need a five hundred dollar deposit in case shit don't work out. Fuck it, I need it. If that's the case, I should be charging you three hundred just for you talking to me. Like, what? That's some weird shit, man. Yeah, that's that's nasty business, bro. Data is not. It's a nasty business now. I don't came across it. Like, this is trial and this is a lot of trial and error for me. Like, I've dated, but. Now, again, since the OnlyFans review thing pick up, like, I'm being exposed to women that I didn't even know would talk to me. Like, never, like, not only just the sex workers, but even before the sex work, the sex work shit, like, I was talking to women that I didn't know I would come across, and looking back, I was like, cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> But it's like, it's like the dating thing is weird. And it goes back to the shit my mother used to tell me. She told me one time, like, there's only probably one or two people that you'll come across that are like solid, solid. You're going to be, the rest of the time, you're just going to be kissing frogs that remain as frogs. The question is, how many frogs are you willing to kiss until you get that one that turns magically into that prince or princess or whatever the fuck. And that stuck with me. It still sticks with me. That's the pro- and that's the thing. Nobody wants to... Nobody wa- nobody's trying to kiss all those frogs to get to that one prince or princess. Like, nah. Hell no. That's too much work. And I get it. But at the same time, it's like... Nah, man. Like, to me, that's developing, you know you know, emotional skills, like emotion, em, emotional intelligence is what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm right with you, bro. Like, everything you're saying is facts, and all I can say is there's going to be brighter days. There has to be brighter days. I mean, of course. I, this of course. summer in particular is going to be a summer for the ages. And I mean, there's going to be a whole bunch of events, you know, with... um. The mandate being lifted as far as being able to enter venues and not mean niggas not really masking up no more. And even if you go on Instagram now, spots are getting more packed than ever. Like it's it's gonna be one for the ages. So I believe after this summer, like you'll you will have gone to more events. Cause I don't know about the abstract shit that you might be into, because everybody's into abstract shit. So maybe you might go to some type of something and you see a group of niggas like, oh, the niggas seem cool over there. Or whatever have you. Like no matter where you at. I believe this summer is going to be the summer where everything starts to get a little stabilized. So, yeah, we basically just got to hold out for for like three more months and then things will start to make sense. And now that I think about it, don't you do the um whiskey events? Like, 
I know I knew your name was familiar because I kept seeing your flyers. I, I do do the whiskey event. That is me. Ah, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it because even before I knew about your podcast and all that shit, people, that's another thing people would tweet besides your podcast is your flyer events. And I'm like, hmm. I'm out here, man. I'm trying. I'm on my lotto shit, man. I'm trying to get 3,000 people in the seats. But I ain't going to hold it. Let me not say I'm afraid of going to those, going to, not to those, not to your events, but to like those type of, those type of social events in general, because I know because like, I kid you not, ever since I've done that OnlyFans a few shit, I've had more people not fuck with me than they do fuck with me. And the funny thing is the people that don't fuck with me are like mutual friends of the people that currently fuck with me. So it's like, like there's a good... It was probably some internet uh, pervert weirdo, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. That and they probably interacted with me one time, and they just I either I rubbed up off rub, rubbed up off them the wrong way, or they rubbed up for me the wrong way. And there's a good chance that I see them or they see me. It's just good. Either it's gonna be awkward, or niggas gonna try. <laughs> I'm like going to a mutual friends event is it's kind of wacky because you never know. Man, I tell you, man, I, I I have believed that if you was to come to one of my parties and they'd be like, "Yo, you Riley?" I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh shit, my nigga, it's it's just that type of environment and vibes that nigga be going on. You know what I'm saying, yeah, so- nah, because they know you, they know they know you. It's like he's not going, he's not, they're not gonna vouch for a nigga that. They don't think it's weird, but they may think it's weird. So it's like that again. That's why I keep saying, if you notice, I keep saying, like, give your give yourself a chance to get to know me, or give yourself a chance to get to know them, like, because words mean things. Not as an artist, as a creative, to me, words mean things. So when to me, when you say things like, not you, but in general, when people say things like, give me a chance. That's off-putting to me. That makes it seem like you got to audition for their approval. Nah, fuck that. Like, give yourself a chance to get to know me. Because I'm still going to be me with or without you. You just got to convince yourself more so whether or not this per- I'm worth getting to know or that person is worth getting to know when it comes down to it. So, Right with you, bro. But I, I do have to leave soon. So do, did you have any, like, last... Oh no no! Oh my fault, my fault. I no, I appreciate you. I appreciate you like staying on for as long as you did. But normally, towards the end of the podcasting, like I give people an opportunity to like ask me whatever they want to ask me. It's like it's yeah, I give people a chance to ask me whatever they want to ask me. It's not it's nothing off topic and shit. So okay, so. Do you think with um, not so much your search, but in your journey of finding a tribe of people that you can migrate to and people that might migrate to you, do you think you're going to give yourself more of a chance to be more in the social atmosphere and go to more, go to more parties, be more social? Because I know you said that's not something that you necessarily have in your toolbox. So do you think you're going to step into a, a space of uncomfort so things are changing for you as far as socially? Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm more open to that when when it's people that I'm comfortable with. Right. Because I would like to believe that they wouldn't lead me into something that would be uncomfortable for me. And if they did, I would like to think that it wouldn't be intentional. Right. So I would be more open to it. I've been open to it in the past. It's lead me to more people. It's lead me to more experiences, more places and shit. That's how, like, just by dating one person from last year, I've been more open to more places that I never even knew about before. Now I br- now it's, it's some place that I go to either by myself or I bring new women there. <laughs> Sounds good to me, bro. Sounds like you got a strategy. Just stick to the strategy, bro. But nah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna force myself to be more outgoing. Like I notice, I'm a homebody. I'm a homebody, but I'm more outgoing when the when it moves me to me. Yeah, man. And if it's anything, you, I mean, smoke or if that's what you're into. Get some drinks in you, and I mean, just go outside and just see what the fuck happens, bro. That shit's that shit's more beneficial than it isn't. I'm, I can tell you that from personal experience. As a nigga, as an only child. That's from the fucking depths of Long Island. If I can fucking have a whole bunch of friends, so can you. Yeah, I'm just picky about who I call my friends, but I'm with I you. agree with you. you know what I mean, but you gotta you gotta get a larger sample size so you can start to dwindle down who's trustworthy and who isn't, as opposed to just being around five people and be like, all right, all five of these niggas is whack. Be around fifty people and then find your five people. That's pretty much how it works. That sounds accurate to be honest. That sounds accurate, but um, thanks for giving thanks for giving me an hour and some change. I genuinely, I genuinely appreciate it. Um, for those who's not uh, aware of Reek, check out his original Black Man podcast. And yeah, man, and also follow him on Instagram. His, I mean, Instagram, his Twitter, um, the OG Black Man. At oh yeah, at the OG Black Man, and um, any last parting words? Um, we have a party coming up, uh, Jack in the Box. We're gonna we're looking to have April or May be the target date for that. So follow me at the OG Black Man. My podcast name is the Good Brother Experience. My fault. <sighs> it's all good, brother. That means it's all right. Look up the Good Brother Experience wherever um think wherever you stream your podcasts. Uh, by next week. Uh, be on the lookout on IGTV and YouTube for recrants. Uh, that's the video portion of me just talking some bullshit and thinking that it's funny. So yeah, I'm all over the place. But as a centralized place for you to get all these updates about what I got going on, just follow me on Instagram or Twitter. It's the same ad name, the OG Black Man. Alright, and that being said, once again, I appreciate you for your time, and we out. One.